This is Apologetic Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right, we are live. This is Apologetics Live. We are here with our resident apologist, Matt Slick from karm.org. Great place to go for all of your apologetics questions. We also are going to have with us Don Johnson from the 80s. He was in a lot of the movies. Uh, oh, wait, no, no, sorry. That's, this is John. John Johnson, sorry. But it was close, close enough. But he is a Pelagian. Uh, Matt is a Calvinist. And we are going to start off, before we do open Q&A, we're going to start off with uh, John wanted to discuss uh, in a friendly debate, not a formal debate, but a friendly discussion debate type, uh, the topics of uh, total depravity and original sin. After that, if, if you guys think John didn't do a good enough job defending your views, those of you who are Pelagian or semi-Pelagian, you can come in and take your shots with, with Matt and see how well you do. Uh, so, so John, you're going to have to make sure that, you know, you, you do yourself justice right here. Uh, but, uh, for folks who, uh, you know, who do follow us or used to follow the old show, Matt and I did, they'll know John. He, he was actually the guy that was driving down the road, Matt. I don't know if you remember this, but he, John was the guy that was driving down the road. You told him to put his hand in front of his face and on camera, he actually slapped himself. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's good. That had to be one of the funniest things. <laughs> You're like, put your hand right in front of your face. <laughs> he was did it. So John, John's a, a very good sport with that. Uh, <laughs> but um, but we, we want to first, before we get to that, just let folks know, uh, we want to give you some plugs for you to check out karm.org uh, for different apologetics things you're going to see out there. That's the ministry that Matt works for and, and is the founder of. And I'm the founder and work for Striving for Eternity. You can go to strivingforeternity.org and check that out. We'll give you uh, some folks to know that we are going to we're hoping to open the Christian podcast community up to the public, to podcasters who want to be on that. Hopefully in January, late January, we're going to be doing a controlled introduction. And so we we're, want to do it slow and make sure we have all the kinks worked out. But if you're a podcaster and you want to be part of that, you can contact, uh, just contact me at strivingforturning.org. If you're a listener to podcasts, well, just go to Christian Podcast Community on whatever podcast app you have. You'll get this show and all the others if you want them. So, um, Matt, you know, can you bring us up to speed with how you and John uh, came about with with this discussion? Because I know you're the one that posted it. Something about a Facebook page or something. I've you know, it's been so long ago, a few days ago, and I do so many things that I can't remember all the particulars. But uh, it was like, oh yeah, let, let's talk and. Here we are. And you're always up to a challenge. So, Well, lately, not so much, the way things have been. But uh, I am trying to set up a debate with a Muslim now. But um, we'll see. That would be a fun one. All right. So, yeah. so uh, I don't, I act, we, because this is going to be an informal one, we didn't actually say who, who wants to go first or, you know, do we want to do it? One top, one of the topics at a time, or do we want to? Uh, yeah, one topic at a time. Go ahead. Okay, so as a guest, 
do it. So, John, why don't you start us off? Why, why, for, for some folks, why don't you at least introduce yourself? I don't think everyone re- may remember you from the old days when we were on the other uh, yeah. show. No worries. Uh, yeah, my name is John Johnson. I am also go by the Iranic Pelagian. Uh, some people know me by that name. Um, I still hang out with most of these console of Google Plus guys on occasion. Like I see John here, but uh, yeah, I'm just a Christian. I, you know, I've gone through different phases of, uh, you know, my theology and trying to uh, understand it. Um, and I, you know, I went through a Calvinistic phase early on, and uh, I just I came to understand that uh, it's. I, I guess you know, all I would say is I I think the that Calvinism seems to me to be a system of proof text. So whenever I find someone making an assertion about Calvinism and then they'll point to a text, it never seems to actually say what the Calvinist wants it to say. Uh, or at least there's, you know, other ways to see it that are, uh, you know, less, uh, do less uh, damage to the name of God, if you, have, you know. So my, my, my issue with Calvinism is I believe it impugns the character of God. So, you know, um, so if, I guess if, if Matt would want to, you know, see, I believe that total depravity is, 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 you know, just a non-biblical doctrine. You know, I believe men are born essentially as Adam and Eve were created before they fell. They're born, they, they, they're on the path to, uh, you know, they're born on the path. And then, you know, when they reach a certain age, then, you know, they'll sin and they'll leave the path. So, that's, that's kind of how I see our anthropology. You know, I I look at Jesus, you know, and I see that he was a human being made like us. And so that's where I kind of start with my anthropology. I, you know, I don't think Jesus had a sin nature. Uh, the Bible, I don't think, ever talks about a sin nature. I don't believe sin, the Bible ever indicates that sin has the power to change our nature. So I believe we have human natures and our natures are subject to sin and we can become slaves to sin and we do. Um, so I don't know, those are some of the issues I have with Calvinism. I mean, if, if you would want to go to a text, I would like to look at one text at a time. You know, uh, I'm kind of familiar, I think, with, you know, any text you'll go to, so... Well, I would just uh, ask you to demonstrate from the text uh, the idea that people are born sinless uh, as Adam and Eve were before they fell. That's a statement you made, so show me some scripture. Um, okay, so we see uh, in, in Romans 9, Jacob and Esau, when they're in the womb, they've not done anything good or evil. Um, that's one place we could look at. Where does it say there that uh, they're born in the same state as Adam and Eve were before the fall? Where does it say that in the text? Because you just said the Calvinists give you a proof text, but it doesn't say what you say. And then you just now, the first thing you did was exactly what you accused Calvinists of doing. So show me where Romans uh, 9, 9 through 13, where it says that Jacob, you know, Jacob right. you know, didn't anything good or bad. Show me where it says in the text that they have a sinless nature. Well, it it seems to me, uh, you know, I just have, you know, my point is they have a human nature. If you want to suggest they have a sinful nature, sin, some kind of sin nature, that'd be up to you to show, you know. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the Bible doesn't teach it, it's that pretty hard sense. to know where that is. Are you a sinner? Have you sinned? Yeah. I, I, I do you have a human nature? I do. 
then you're a human that with has a uh, you've sinned. So there right. you go. You just repeated your own self. No. Okay. So, all right. So, let me ask you a question, Matt. So, Adam and Eve, uh, when they were created before they sinned, would you say uh, they were uh, they had not they had not done anything good or evil? That's correct. Well, I don't know about good or evil because. Um, that's a more technically difficult question to answer uh, than just saying good or evil, because what is good, what is evil? But Romans 9 talks about some stuff in the context of, of after the fall of Adam and Eve. Can you hear me okay? My computer's... Yeah, I, I okay, there it goes. Well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to say okay, that, well, so. they had anything good or evil was to say that they weren't doing anything good in their worship and adoration of God in the garden, because right. they're walking with them. So that wouldn't make sense, really. Okay, so I like I said, I, I you asked for some verses. I just you know that was one I wanted to just you know we could point to that. Okay, and so that, but that verse doesn't say that uh, that people are born with a nature that's the same as Adam and Eve before they sinned. It doesn't say oh, that in Romans nine. Right, but it it does say they haven't right. done anything good or evil, and that that the point Paul is making is that yeah, God made this choice when the when the kids were innocent, you know, before they had done anything good. Where does it say they were innocent? Okay, I'm I'm implying that. So, all right, another. Wait a minute, uh, you're the one who set the stage and said that the verses you quote by the Calvinist quote it doesn't say that. You keep doing the exact same thing that you accuse Calvinists of doing. Oh, okay. See, Matt, you're the um, what I I I opened this up telling you I had objections to your view. Okay, and I I told you why. Okay, so you asked me why I think you know kids are born. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons. You know, I, I mentioned. First, you know that Jesus was born. You know we have a we have the na- we have the same nature that Jesus had when he He's was. He's divine. Born. You're saying we have a divine nature. We do have a divine nature. I mean, as Paul as Luke describes it in Acts 17. Wait, 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 wait. We have a divine nature, so we're gods. No, but we have the divine nature. We share. How do we have a divine nature if we're not gods? Because we're children of God, we share the divine nature. You carry the divine nature. Not that we, so what do you mean by we have a divine nature? Well, I mean, like in Acts 17, Paul uses the fact that children, uh, you know, we have the divine nature to show that uh, God isn't like uh, wood and stone and, you know, things like that. that? Um, Acts 17, let me see. Yeah, it's going to be after verse, uh, you know, 22. It's in this section. 22 and following. Yes. It's verse 29. It says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, um, we ought not try to think uh, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by the art of, of man's devising. Truly, these times, you know, so what he's going to go on to say is by looking at God's children, you can see that he's got a divine nature, not a. Uh, Are we born with his divine nature? Yeah, because well, we must be because this is uh, talking about all men, all people. So people, when they're born, are divine. Well, th- I'm saying that we share the divine nature. Well, what does it mean to share the divine nature? You're saying that all people, when they're born, share the divine nature. What does that, what does that mean? Yeah, sure. Not, what 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 divine nature? God's divine nature? Well, 
I can't think of any other divine nature than God's nature. Okay, so then all people who are conceived and born are sharing the divine nature. What does it mean to share the divine nature then? I'm just not sure what you mean by that. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have all the answers, Matt, but uh, it, it sounds If you like, don't know what that means, then you shouldn't be saying it. Well, the divine nature seems to be uh, indicating that human beings... Uh, and you know, in their in their created person, share the divine nature. I, I would assume it has something to do with our being God imagers. Uh, but you know, that's that's how, you know. I'm just saying. Are you Paul trying to see that? Argument, he says that we have the divine nature. Now, so you have to argue about. You'd have to ask Paul, what does he mean by that? Where does he say we have a divine nature? It doesn't say that in Acts 17:29. Being then the children of God, we ought to not think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Where does it say we have a divine nature? Yeah. Okay. So just let me read. Let me read the whole because uh, it, it's the argument he makes. So verse uh, verse 24: God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something sh shaped by art and man's devising. So since we are the offspring of God, Paul says, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver. He's making the argument God's nature is like our nature. This is what his argument well, that's is. Infinite divine nature is like ours, our, our fallen nature. I'm just telling you the argument Paul is making, Matt. He's, no, that's he's the argument proving you're that, he's proving you're, that you're the God divine nature is not, sinfulness. No, he's proving that God is not uh, like these idols made of wood and stone and such because you can see their children. He, you can see we're God's children. He just made that point in the argument, just as your own poets have said, we are God's offspring. So, and he, he affirms that we are, so we are his children. So therefore he says, based on the fact that we are God's children, we know that God isn't like wood and, and stone. Do you see the argument? So, yeah, in other words, the divine, the divine nature, nature, the divine nature is different than gold and silver and stone. OK, yeah. so where does it say that uh, we're born with the divine nature? No, it says that we know that God has a divine nature because we can see the, the children of God. And we, so where does it say we that children are born with a divine nature in them? <laughs> Matt, it's right in the it's in the it's built into the argument. If you don't okay. see it, you don't see it. That's fine. We can move on. Well, wait a minute. Hey, I'm just going off what you you set the, the tone. You said that the problem with Calvinists is they take these verses, they quote things, proof texting, but they don't say what they what the Calvinists say they say. Mm -hmm. And here, every single time you quote a verse, it's the same thing. No, I just explained that. It's in the argument. I, I laid it out. The divine nature is 
that's how you know God is divine by looking at his children. Do you get it? So really? if I can look at your children, I would know something about you by looking at your children, Matt. No, 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 no. It's something about God, you said, divine nature. Then you switch it to me. So you're well, saying yeah, that look right. at my children, then you'd know about God's God divinity himself. by looking at my kids? Yeah, see verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Right? So He's quoting he's, a pagan philosopher and he's trying to witness to the unbelievers and trying to get a common bond with them. And they believed in bowing before different gods as wood, stone, and things like that. And he says, no, the divine, divine nature is not like that. It doesn't say that the divine nature is in us when we're born. No. How, do, how, how is it Paul is proving that God isn't like wood and stone? By saying the divine nature, uh, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold, silver, and stone. Because yeah, why, shouldn't why shouldn't we think that? He made an argument that shows why we shouldn't think because that. Because God is not like that. He's just stating the fact. No, it's because of the offspring, his children. You can look at the children wait, 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 of God wait, wait. that are spread so he's all talking, over the world. He's talking to the unbelievers and using pagan uh, pagan poet in order to connect with them. Uh, it says, so being the children of God, all of us. Now, biblically, the children of God, you know, you go to John 1, 8, 1, 13, or excuse me, 1, 12. Uh, as many as received him to them, he gave the right to be called the children of God. So yeah. we have in Romans 8, we have the issue of adoption. What he's doing here is something theologically different. He's doing evangelism. Yeah. He's simply trying to, you know, connect with them and show a commonality. What well, if your own po uh, poet said this? Well, being then, from what your poet says, the children of God, we ought not think of the divine nature is like gold, silver, or stone. An image formed by the heart or event. What he's saying is, hey, look, we should know this, and it's that the divine nature is not like uh, the simple physical things. That's no, what he's saying. That, you're man. reading, you're reading no, way too not, much no, into it. You're ignoring the fact that, look, at, at verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Right. So this isn't. This is everyone. This isn't distinguishing God's. Yeah. Are you saying everyone's a child of God? Now, hold on. And he says, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So all across Good the globe, he's determined where people will live, when they will live. And he's Good Calvinism. He's Good. He's done that so that, verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, that's okay. all inclusive. God is not far from each of us. That's Okay. Now but we're see, talking about we're talking right. about the divine nature in children that you're born with. That's what we're talking about. So well, right now, right now, we're just talking about the children. You know, who we're talking about okay. mankind. The is, verse doesn't say what you say it says. So maybe you want to try another verse. No, no, I'm just saying. So far, we just have all of mankind in view. So now, at verse 28, Paul continues. He says, "For in Him, in God, we live and move and have our being." And this, in, as, and he says, as also your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring, his children. So Paul now, since he's established that we are God's offspring, we are God's children. Okay, now he says, so, that, now, so since that's true, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, see, Paul affirms that we are God's children. Uh, you... We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold and silver. 
It's obvious. Because you can see a human being and they possess the divine nature, we know that God is not like wood and stone. God has the divine nature. We can see it when we look at his children. That's what his argument is. So um, you're saying then that uh, we are divine by nature? I'm agreeing with Paul. Are you saying we're divine by nature? Apparently, the human nature is it's divine. Uh, sounds like it to me yeah okay so now you're saying that everybody's a little god uh, we're all divine like god i'm i'm agreeing with paul i'm not okay. saying i'm, I'm okay. pointing are out you saying, what paul said are you saying then that we're all little gods because we're divine in our nature we're born that way no little i'm saying divinities? that i'm saying that the human nature designed by god uh, is divine is has some divinity to it okay so that means we're god divinity is the quality of being god that's what it means biblically well, so you're saying we are so. God? You're saying, what? No, no, no. I, mean, I don't believe that's what divinity. I mean, just if, really? if God shares, what does divinity mean? I'm saying if God, just the fact that God shares His divinity with us, if that's what He does, does what does not it mean to share God? His divinity? Look, you use these terms, but you don't explain what they mean. What does it mean to share? That makes someone else a little bit divine, or does it mean just to indwell us? And there's a separation between His nature and our nature. No, we, Paul says we have the divine nature. Okay, so you're saying that we are divine by nature then? I'm saying Paul says that we have the divine nature. Okay, what does it mean to have? Does it mean that we have it as in part of our nature, or does it mean have as in God indwells us as we have it in that sense? Or different senses, I'm trying to get clarification. Yeah, yeah. So it which which me, is it for you? It seems to me that Paul has the sense of, you know, it's part of our ontology, or you know, part okay. of our. Makeup. So now you're saying we are we are we're divine. Okay, so you're, ontologically, you're saying we are divine. So that means that we're like God because we're divine. So that's 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 Mormonism. No, it's, it it means it that we share the divinity of God somehow. You're, you're teaching Mormonism. We're little gods in embryo. And we reach our full potential of Godhood. That's what Mormonism teaches, that we have a divine nature because the nature of God and nature of man are basically one and the same, except that he just progressed further than we have. So you're just saying the same basic kind of a thing. You know, you're just you're just heaping heresy upon heresy. But uh, so now you're saying that we're divine by our very nature being when we're born. So that makes us little gods. No, I'm just pointing out that Paul argues that we have the divine nature. So I'm, I'm not going to argue you, with Paul. You're, no, no, you're begging the question. You're assuming that's what he's okay. saying. I'm taking out. I'm taking what you're saying, and I'm working with what you're saying. Okay. So is God divine? God is divine, yes. Okay, so if I'm divine, am I God? No. Then how can I be divine if I'm not God? Because you're, if divinity is God. Because you're a creature that God made. Oh, so I'm a divine creature? It sounds like it's, it sounds like so because can, we're children can, of God, we're can God's sin. Do you do you think children are related to their fathers? Yes. Can God right? sin? Can God sin? Uh, I don't believe so. You don't believe so? Wow. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll answer that. No. So um, since I I am a sinner and I, I still struggle with sin, um, and I'm divine according to you, so I'm. Uh, I have a divine nature, and yet I'm also sinning, yet the divine nature can't sin. So how does that work? It works because uh, God is the father of all humanity, and humanity are his children. So because they're related to God, I think that's what Paul has in mind. 
So how can my divine nature that I have, and I'm, I'm divine by nature, how can I also sin? Since God, who has a divine nature, cannot sin. And I have his divine nature, so how can I sin? Well, obviously we have the ability to sin, Matt. Wait a minute. But God cannot sin. And you said, I have God's nature. So how am I able to sin with God's well, nature, but God with his nature apparently, can't? Apparently we can possess the divine nature and still sin if we choose to. <clears throat> okay. So I can sin with I have a divine nature, and God can't sin. He has a divine nature. Well, I have a human nature. God doesn't have does God doesn't share my human nature. Is a human nature the same thing as a divine nature? I don't. I, you know, some of these questions I'm not going to have the answers to, Matt. I I think God, as we see God, you know, God is spirit. Like ask Jesus me the God. question. God, is the yeah. human nature the same as a divine nature? Go ahead and ask me the question. Is, is human nature the same as divine nature? No. Is that what you said? I'm... No, the answer is no. The God possesses the divine nature, and him dwells all the fullness of deity and bodily form. That's Jesus, the, the divine nature, the Godhead. He's before me, the creature. So I don't share his nature because part of the divine nature is immutability, is eternality, is aseity. I don't possess those things. I don't have the divine nature in the sense of it's my ontos, my nature and essence. So if God cannot sin, and he cannot sin with the divine nature, and you say that I am divine, well, then I can't sin. But now you're saying, no, you have a divine nature that's the same as God, but you can sin, but God, who has a divine nature, can't sin. You're not making any sense. Well, you're just not understanding me, Matt. See, Adam uh, was the son of God. Do you realize that? Yeah, he was, in one sense, the son of God, yeah. Right. So... God was his father, right? And, and so, in a sense, being a creator, you know, yeah. You understand, though, don't you, that that children share the attributes of their father? Yeah, my children share the attributes of, of their father and their mother, yes, biologically, okay. yeah, genetics. Yeah. Right, so this is the this is what Paul is saying in back in Acts 17. Once he shows that, you know, all these people are around, and these are God's children, and because we're God's children— we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like flat, is like wood and stone. Don't, I don't yeah. see why you're so not So the following. divine nature is not wood and stone. We know that. But uh, I asked you if God could sin. You said you don't believe so. I had to help you out. No, he cannot. And then you say, I have a divine nature, but I can sin. You haven't been able to... Um, to explain that disparity because if you say if, if i have a, a fallen nature well welcome to calvinism but if you're saying that we don't have a fallen nature of a divine nature that's a problem but i'm a sinner and you're a sinner so you you have fallenness i don't so, believe in fallen natures i believe we have a human nature okay. that can sin or or do whatever humans are capable of well i believe we're, we're by nature children of damnation children of wrath that's what our nature is our only sons of disobedience are, are children of wrath by nature. Really? Mm -hmm. um, and so only them. Okay. But uh, I mean, so when we're born, we're born completely innocent, which you have no verses for. And uh, you're like Adam and Eve before they fell, which you have no verses for. And then you say we have divine nature, which you go to the text, but doesn't support that. And then you say we're divine in our nature. And then yet we can sin. 
And when I asked you if God can sin, you said you didn't think so, which is a problem in itself. You should have the, uh, the emphatic, no, he cannot. And it's problematic there. See, because you're so man-centered in your theology, you're affecting the very nature of God. Your humanistic philosophy is overpowering you. You see, this is a sign of, believe it or not, total depravity. Well, I think you ignore Jesus and his role and whether he was tempt he was actually tempted to sin or not. Um, so how do I ignore Jesus' role? Yeah, because I think Jesus chose as a human being, I believe Jesus chose not to sin. I don't believe he he he, he didn't sin because he couldn't sin. So um does Jesus have two natures? Did he have two natures? Does he have two natures, divine and human? Does he have two? I don't know. Uh, do you read the Bible? Do you believe the Bible is true? I do. John I 1, 1, verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, so the divine Logos, God, became flesh. Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwells the, all the fullness of deity in bodily form. That's divine and human. It's two natures. Except, so both that, except that I read that in Philippians, uh, Jesus said he didn't, uh, you know, count his equality with God, something to be held on to. And he laid it aside and became a man. He lowered himself. Oh, so God Jesus was, on earth was not was God? In the form of a servant. Yeah. So Jesus was not God on, on earth? I believe, of course, his identity as God remains the same. So was God. Jesus God? Did Jesus have a divine nature? When he, was he actually God incarnate on earth? He was a human. He had a human nature. I know that much. Did Jesus have a divine nature? Was he God incarnate? Well, you'd have to show. If you think he did, Matt, show me where you think Jesus had a divine nature. In the John 1, 1, verse 14, Colossians 2, 9, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. No, uh, those are okay, what about the fact that Jesus didn't count his equality with God something to be held on to, and he set aside those things? It says he did not consider it robbery to... He made says, in the form of a servant. Yeah, it says he did not consider uh, equality, equality, something to be robbed or taken. In other words, it was already his. Okay, let me, let me just interrupt real quick for one thing. Is if you guys could try not to talk over each other. So, yeah. like, if you ask a question... John, give, give him a chance to answer and vice versa. Thanks. So you're not even sure if Jesus was God in flesh when he's on the earth? No, I know he, he was God and he became a human being. Was Did Jesus possess two natures while um, walking on the earth? God and man. I don't read any scriptures that tell me that. Okay, what do you believe? Did he have two natures when he walked on earth? Yes I or no? He was a human being that uh, identify, you know, whose identity is God. Okay, did he have two natures? Did he, you either believe he did have two natures or did not have two natures, both divine and human, or not both divine and human? Well, if I can, if, if I'm stuck with only one, uh, you know, I don't. Where do you see Matt that Jesus uh, at at all, you know, at all times possessed two natures? While Jesus. He was a man? Um, just for clarification for those, his question, Jesus at all times. We're not talking about the pre-incarnate Christ because Jesus himself came into existence when he was conceived and born. That's when he adopted the human nature and the word became flesh in that sense. And from that point on, from eternity on, he will always possess two natures. Now, that's the orthodox doctrine. It's called the hypostatic union. 
just for clarification. So when you say that uh, Jesus always possessed this, it's not the case. 2,000 years ago, Jesus became a man. So technically, to say he always possessed both natures is technically correct, if we understand it to mean at the time of his inception that Jesus was two persons. That's what that means. That's, that's biblical orthodox theology. Now, Jesus says, um, unless you believe that I am you will die in your sins, John 8, 24. And John 8, 58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. They wanted to pick up stones to kill him. In John 10, 30 through 34, they picked up stones again to, to kill him. And he said, many good works in the Father I've shown you. For which of these are you stoning me? And they said, for good work we don't stone you, but you being a man, make yourself out to be God. So the Pharisees understood he was claiming to be God. Jesus claimed to be God. He was claiming it. They understood exactly what he was saying. So you either believe uh, Jesus or you believe the Pharisees. You either affirm that Jesus is God in flesh, two natures, or you deny that he's God in flesh with two natures as the Pharisees. No, I don't have to. I can affirm that Jesus is God and that he has a human nature. Does he have two natures? The person have two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. I don't read. The, I, it seems to me Jesus set his divinity aside. So I'd have to say that. So if he set it aside. How would he do these miracles? Hold on, guys. If he set his divinity aside, then he was no longer God. No. Why do you say that? Because he would set it aside. So he's not it's divine. It's, it's not God. there. It's not his. It's, it's a. Set it, set it aside someplace else. Well, he set it aside. Didn't mean, you know, he could pick it up again. Uh, just because he sets it aside doesn't mean he loses his identity of who he is. Like, should, should, God, should God choose not to exercise his power at a certain time? Doesn't change the fact that he's God or, you know, I mean, it's... All right, so you don't understand that the hypostatic union, do you even know what the Trinity is? Yeah, I believe in the Trinity. What is it? I believe in that. In uh, I believe that uh, God is one uh, God in three persons. Okay. Did Jesus rise from the dead in the same body he died in? I believe so. Is he a man right now? Is he a man? I I suppose so. Okay. Is he God right now? Well. Yeah, you know, I have questions about that, you know. I mean, we could, you know. Uh, well, I would suggest you go to. talks about him being at the right hand of God, you know, that Jesus, you know. Uh, I'm not sure of, uh, you know, I could see more of a hypostatic union at the time of the ascension than I can at the time of the incarnation, if that makes sense. And that would mean his uh, personhood changed in that interim, and that would be adoptionism, a form of that, and that, that's a problem. I would suggest you go to CARM and read up on the nature of Christ, the hypostatic union, communicatio idiomatum, and read these things, because you are in serious error. You're really confused. But We're supposed to talk about total depravity. So you've not been able to demonstrate your position of uh, Pelagianism or no total depravity yet. Well, my charge is, Matt, that you it's your verses that you try to prove uh, total depravity that don't prove it. So you, you, you asked me, you know, some questions. I, I went to some texts. I didn't go through all the texts that I, we could go over. Ask now, me a question. Right. Well, I, I go to Acts 17, and you, you don't even see the argument there. You, you don't admit that uh, the, it's the reason that uh, we are like God. 
and 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 Paul says that's the divine nature. That's how we know by looking at his children that God has the divine nature. You can't see that somehow we share the divine nature. You have a problem with that? Uh, I didn't say I, that I deny that we somehow share the divine nature, but I'm just saying that your interpretation of the text is not uh, proper. Do you want to ask me a question, though? Well, I, I would like to know why you think men are born uh, in the, you know, uh, in the condition you think they are born in. Because uh, Adam represented us, and when he fell, we fell. Okay, so from uh, I, I suppose you're taking that from Romans five twelve. You're 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 is that. Is that where you get well, that? Well, entered the world through Adam, and he represented us. In Adam, all die, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, Romans 5, 18. So, yeah, that's what I believe right there. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands, none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. There's none who does good. Uh, see, people act based on what they are. And so what they are is sinful. Right, I I agree that we act like what we are, but what you what you what you're supposing is that we were born this way. Like yeah. I, you just quoted a verse, you just quoted a verse that shows that we were not born that way. Romans three, uh, ten to twelve is on my side because there it shows that all, and you think that's everyone, all have turned aside. Matt, where did they turn aside from? Um. He's quoting the Old Testament, of course, and he's saying there's none righteous, not even one. Would you say that we're born righteous? Uh, I don't think we were born righteous, no. Were we born sinful? No. Were we born neutral? It seems like it, yeah. He, we, I think God, you know, God creates us in the womb, just like Psalm one thirty nine says. You know, so we have to assume that when God makes us, that's something that's good. It doesn't have a sin nature. That wouldn't be good. Okay. Do you know, do you know what federal headship is? Mm-hmm. What? It's the it's the doctrine that uh, through Adam sent. You know that that Adam was actually uh, the the representative of humanity and that when Adam sinned, God held all his progeny. Uh, you know, we basically all sinned when he sinned. And so he holds all his progeny guilty for this, for that sin. That's yeah, pretty much, uh, there's different variations on this called original sin, but it's the, it's the teaching that the male represents the descendants. And that's what it basically is. Now, it says, in Adam all die. Do you know what the phrase in Adam means? I believe it means that uh, he's talking about that would be those that identify, you know, as human beings in his line. Those that identify as human beings? So if well, someone does I mean, not identify as a human, but identifies as a roach, oh, would that he not be uh, represented no, by saying, Christ? No, I'm saying, uh, you know, I would understand that as all human beings that come, come from Adam. Okay, so good. So Adam was the, the, our first ancient father and all descendants from him, right? Right. It says in him, in him is a term of federal headship, just as it says in Christ, all will be made alive. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two. So federal headship in Adam. So who are the ones who are in Adam? 
All human beings, I think, are an atom. So all human beings die. Yes. Okay. Do babies die? Yes. So sin results in death. Well, death... Uh, Wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. Hold on one second. Uh, John, is there any way you can get headphones on? We're getting an echo from, from when Matt speaks. Uh, yeah. Because I know he's got some headphones on. Sorry to interrupt, Matt, but okay. it, it just it's making it kind of hard to listen. Well, I'll tell you what. While he's doing that, um, now would be a good time. We could give a word out to our sponsor. We'll do that. <laughs> be a good time for that. Uh, we're we're this this show is uh, well, actually it's it's uh, Matt Slick Live, the radio show that is sponsored by My Pillow, and My Pillow is a pillow that both Matt and I use regularly because we well love them so it's very easy to have them as a sponsor and and mike liddell matt is a professing believer and has donated i think like a million dollars to a pro-life movie he's been coming under some heat for that and uh, i i actually in january it looks like i'll have him on the rap report podcast to discuss that so good for him yeah and so it's it's good to have men that are willing to to stand on convictions uh, but my pillow is an excellent pillow. It, it is. It, it doesn't matter like how late you, how much you sleep on it. It stays the same firmness. It is great, and you you know gets dirty. Just throw it in the wash. Dry, dry, throw it in the dryer, and it's like back to normal, back to new. It's it's a great pillow. Matt and I both travel with ours. Um, if you'd like to get your my pillow, you can call one eight hundred nine four four. Five three nine six. That's one eight hundred nine four four five three nine six to get yourself a my pillow. Back to the debate, John. Yeah, I'm still. Uh, I'm gonna have to try a different pair. Sorry. <laughs> so he's about as good with his technology as is, is with his theology. Oh. No. <laughs> You guys are the ones that have the problem, not me. That's <laughs> what I'm seeing. <laughs> and and while you you do that, there's there's a guy in in uh, on YouTube called JC uh, JC Superstar. I'm assuming it stands for Jesus Christ Superstar. Love to get him in here if he uh, if he would like to come in and and prove his non-belief in God, that would be wonderful. Um, also, Edison, if I know you're watching. I don't know if you can see the chat. If you can see chat, just put a note in the chat. I got something I got to share with you about the conference out in the Philippines. Are you set up now, John? I think so. Uh, can right. you hear me okay? Because I can hear you. Good. Yeah. As long as you can hear me. Okay. And is that taking care of your echo problem? That's good. Yep, that takes care of it. Thanks. Okay. Um, I, I kind of forgot where we were. Well, let, let, let's just pick up with you. You were. You I was were asking two, a question. We were, to talk about yeah, a we were talking about death and, and babies, babies dying in federal headship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, babies die, right? Well, all human beings are mortal. They were created mortal. 
but you, the only reason you die is because of sins. We just sin is death. If someone's well, sinless, there's no, there's nothing that holds them. Because death is what is result. You know, the day that you do the fruit, you'll die, and that's uh, the, the rebellion against God in Genesis two seventeen. Death and sin. If there is no sin, why do they die? Well, what happened when Adam died was that he was removed from the garden, and the cherub was placed there to guard the way to the tree of life, so they couldn't eat and live forever. So that's why people die. Like Adam, you know, he was removed from the garden. That was his sentence. And that's how he, you know, he, you know, in effect, removed all human beings from the garden because he got removed. So the reason people die is, because, I mean, as far as a baby dies, you know, who hasn't committed any sin, they might die just because they're mortal. Uh, the wages of sin is death. But that death, you know, Adam didn't die till 930 years later. If Adam had never sinned, would he have died? I think he would have remained alive, uh, you know, in the garden because he would have okay. access to the tree of life. Okay. So uh, as long as he didn't sin, he could stay alive. Yeah. he would. No, he, as long as staying alive was a result of him having access to the tree of life. So you mean he stayed alive not by being sinless but by eating a certain fruit? I believe so because God yeah, created Adam out of the dust. He, he created him out of the dust, and uh, you know that shows his mortality. So as long as he kept eating of the tree of life, he'd stay alive. I believe so. Yeah. Just like in Revelation, we see the tree of life again. It produces fruit each month. You know that's probably was the design in the garden. You know they would okay. they would have to keep eating of the fruit in order to have life. Okay, so. Uh... That means they would have, uh, so then you're saying they had to eat of the fruit of the tree to stay alive, but they would have been sinless. And if they hadn't eaten of the fruit of, of the, they ate other vegetables, then they would have died even though they had never sinned. No, as long as they ate from the tree of life, they would I die. got that. They, what if they didn't eat from that tree and they were eating from other fruits, oh, yeah, vegetables yeah. in the garden, and yet they never sinned, they would sure. have died. Right? Yeah, I think so. So when it says the wages of sin is death, what does that mean then? What, what's that death? Well, it's the, there is only, you know, the only reason we, we think of death uh, in, in, in ways other than one way is because we know about the resurrection. Uh, but death, I, I see death as the, you know, eschatological death, you know, death that you, you won't come back from. That's, okay, that's so babies die death. because... They don't eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Well, we don't have access to that tree. So, yeah, babies are mortal, and they can die even though they don't sin. So babies die, but they have not sinned, and yet the wages of sin is death. So they've not sinned, but yet they're dead. They die. Yeah, so, so we could you got any verses? You got any verses to show me that that uh, this mortality thing will live? Uh, you know, will they'll die in mortality in their sinlessness? Do you have anything to back this up, scripturally? Or uh, I don't know. What do you, I'm not sure what you want me to back up. Uh, your idea with scripture? Yeah, just I mean, this is all based on scripture. Um, uh, you know, we see that Adam was kicked out of the garden, and that is uh, why, you know, that 
that I believe is exactly what Paul had in mind in Romans 5 when he was talking about Adam and, and what he did. And we can see a, a little of that in, in Romans 5.12 because he, he doesn't say that, I mean, he says that death spread to all men because all sinned. He didn't that say all sinned in Adam. That, that include babies? Well, it only includes babies after, you know, they reach the age of accountability. So then the all who sin doesn't include babies uh, until a certain age. So it doesn't mean all. Well, on, on my view, sure. I don't believe that babies sin. So why would a baby die? Why would a baby die? I mean, if he's mortal, he's going to live for a long, long, long time. Why is he dying in infancy? Uh, you know, there's abortion. People kill babies. I mean, they die because they, they can, they're mortal. That's why. They're, they're dieable. They can die. But what about sudden death, SIDS, you know, sudden infant death syndrome? They're in the crib, they just die. Nothing apparently wrong with them. They just die. It happens. Exactly. But they didn't sin, according to you. So why? Why'd they die? Right, because they're mortal. They die because they're mortal. But mm -hmm. what's the reason that they did? Because if they don't sin, they're going to continue to live for a long period of time. So something must have happened that they sin. Yeah. So that they, they die. Yeah, the reason they die is because we were kicked out of the garden. Okay. You want to ask me another question? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I just, okay, so federal headship, I mean, I, I see that principle in the scripture, but what I don't see is all that, uh, like, certain Calvinists want to attach to that doctrine. So, you know, that, that's one issue I have, but um, just to touch back on federal headship. Um, federal headship is a teaching that the male represents the descendants. Did Jesus represent us? Yeah, he, I believe he represented all humanity on the cross. He represented everybody. So did he bear everybody's sin? Yes. So he canceled the sin debt for everybody who ever lived? In a legal sense. Okay, so we're judged for damnation on a legal sense for the base on sin. So why do people go to hell if he canceled their sin and got rid of it for everybody? Why do they go to hell? Well, because life uh, only life is conditioned on faith in Christ, and if you, un unless you believe, you won't uh, live forever. Well, faith denying you know God and not having faith in Christ is a sin. So he paid for all the sin. So why do they go to hell if there's there's no sin to be held against them? Right. Uh, it, Jesus took care of the sin in the legal sense. So unbelief, the legal aspect of unbelief is taken care of. Jesus took care of that. So unbelief, though, uh, not only is it a sin, it, will, it also keeps you from uh, being joined to Christ, which is, which is the necessary, uh, you know, aspect that has to be completed before we can live so you can have all your sins paid for including unbelief in the legal sense paid for on the cross but once jesus returns and you don't have a body you don't get the body that's fit for the kingdom you know that from then on you're just going to be burned up and you, you won't you'll die so jesus you're saying jesus actually removed the legal sin debt of everybody and yet god still sends them to hell for their sin debt that doesn't no, exist. No, God doesn't send them to hell. And this, on this, oh, they, it's a consequence 
it's certainly a consequence of not being joined to Christ when he comes. So God doesn't actively put them in hell. They just kind of, uh, what, what, just kind of levitate on their own and just kind of move in there because that's a consequence of not believing. There's like a, no, a spiritual no, force. No, like uh, if you go to Second Thessalonians two, chapter one, Second uh, uh, Peter chapter three, you'll see the that what happens is the picture we have is Jesus shows up and his very presence. Uh, the the believers, you know, they get new bodies. The believers are raised. You know, everyone's raised. Believers get new bodies, but all the unbelievers they get burned up by God's very presence. Like the man of sin gets destroyed by the brightness of Jesus coming. The you know the epiphania of his prayer. So they're yeah. annihilated. They burned up. Yeah. They are annihilated. You believe annihilationism? I believe they're burned up. Do you believe in annihilationism that they stop existing? Is that what you mean by burned up? Oh, I, I just, I said what I mean, Matt. So I don't know what you mean. So I that for clarification. They're burned up. Annihilation say they're burned up. What they mean by it is a person ceases to have any existence. Is that what well, you're saying? I, well, I would go to Isaiah 66, and you can see, you know, what, you know, there's another picture of it. You know, that, you know, the, the wicked are like, you know, corpses, Calf. you know, just going to be eaten by worms or their ashes under our feet. So I don't know. Do ashes exist? I mean, are, you know, if someone's so you, annihilated, will there still be a dead body there? Um, if they're annihilated, then they don't have existence. I mean, that's what annihilation means. And uh, unless you want, you know, you can know. Right. So I'm not an so annihilationist. issues. I'm You're not, not an annihilationist. Oh, so they're burned up, but they continue to to live afterwards. No, they're burned up, and then then the we then there's a new heaven and a new earth, and where only righteousness dwells, and we we go oh. on into the eternal kingdom. Do the wicked have any existence at all, any place? Only a dead existence. Only a dead existence. Uh, do they have any conscious existence? No, they're dead. So they don't exist. They don't have any consciousness. There's no real existence. Well, they're thrown into the lake of fire, and you know we see that the you know Hades is thrown in there, death is thrown in there. We know that death is no more. So I guess you know it wouldn't be uh, unbiblical to suggest that people that are thrown into the lake of fire are no more after that. Okay. After that. Fact. So you're an annihilationist, okay? Um, all right. Uh, wow. Okay. So you've not. Uh, demonstrated your position, ripped verses out of context. Um, <laughs> I've talked to you about federal headship representation. Uh, the babies die, and you say that they die because they're mortal, but that doesn't mean anything. It's just it's, the mortality isn't the cause of their death. Mortality means they can die. The cause of their death, death is something else. And I'm trying to ask you, what's the cause of the death of a mortal child? And, um, you know, you said maybe abortion. That, that's that. that would be an example. And I gave you SIDS, just there's no apparent reason. Um, and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And they haven't died or haven't sinned, according to you. And they don't sin until the age of accountability, which uh, we haven't even asked you. That's biblical. So, uh, But yet you say Calvinism is whacked. And then we went into limited atonement a little bit. You said everybody's sins are taken care of and canceled, and yet people still go to hell for sin that doesn't even exist for them anymore. Illegal. Um, it's a legal debt that doesn't exist. 
That's exactly yeah. correct. He, he canceled a sin debt. Uh, oh, I believe only for the elect, limited atonement. But if you're going to say he canceled the sin debt, the legal debt for everybody who ever lived, God can't judge them for damnation because there is no sin debt against them at all. It's gone. And well, that would accuse God of unrighteousness by sending them to hell for sin that doesn't even exist on them. Well, actually, God judged the sin on, at the cross. Right, so he he did. We're talking about people going to heaven and hell, not uh, right. sin going to heaven or hell. No, but so God judged. You're, you're sin. saying God does not not judge sin. He judged it all at Calvary. You're saying that people whose sin debt is canceled doesn't remove it's removed doesn't exist anymore legally paid for that God still judges them for sin. Sin is no. breaking the law. Sin is breaking the law of God. First John uh, four three. And Jesus said, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our sins. Another place, forgive us our debts. You go to Romans 6, 12 and Roman, Luke 11, 4 to see the relationship where Jesus equated sin with debt. So you're saying Jesus actually canceled the sin debt for everybody, and yet people still go to hell, which means God the Father, God is judging them for sin they don't have, and sending them to hell for sin they don't have. There's an inconsistency on your part. But um, uh, He's not judging them. They die consequentially. God died consequentially. They, they, yeah. yeah, they experienced the wrath of God consequent as a consequence of not having been joined to Christ and not getting the bodies that they need. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There's there's sin that does. God can't judge them for damnation. He for doesn't. Sin that, that doesn't exist. Okay. Well, as a consequence of the only people that are going to live according to the Bible are people that are joined to Christ through faith. Yeah, and God grants that we believe. They're the God they're grants the faith to them. I'm sorry. God grants that they believe. Philippians one twenty nine. Another problem. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He 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 granted the Gentiles that they could believe, and but Paul is talking about not only did he grant that you could believe, but he's also granted you to suffer for his sake. So yep. that, I mean that's the point of the the verse. It's not like God has granted individuals a gift of faith. That's not what Paul's talking about. Well, he says it's granted you to believe and also to suffer. Does he grant this to individuals or not? He grant no. He grants. He never grants an individual to suffer, and appoints him to suffer. When Paul, uh, when the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Joppa or something like that, and said, "As his belt is, this is how it's going to be for you specifically." No, I was trying to address Philippians where you were starting at. No, you made a broad statement. I just countered it with right, scripture. But yeah. man, we know that salvation came to the Jews. They rejected him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave. So there, there's a progression. He came to Israel, and then after they rejected him, then the gospel was opened up to the Gentiles. And that's right. when faith, that's what Paul is talking about, that it's been granted to the Gentiles to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. There's not any idea of a, a, a special granting of a gift of faith so they believe. Another problem you had was that, uh, you know, you were saying we're divine um, by nature, and uh, that that's equivalent to us being little gods. Then you say we're not little gods, but we're divine by nature, and you said ontologically uh, that it's our nature, our essence to be divine, and yet we sin as divine creatures, but God who's divine doesn't sin. And you would have a huge inconsistency there. I'm just pointing out multitudinous right. amount of errors, not to mention No, no that's not an error, Matt. Matt, that's not an error. That's not an error. This is what Paul is arguing, and I just believe him. That's what you think Paul was arguing, and so you believe what you think Paul was arguing. And well, that's all. Yeah. Of course, that's what I believe he was arguing. 
Yeah, that's what you believe, and you believe that's what he's arguing. So you believe what you think Paul was arguing. That's right. And but just uh, I just take what you say and work with it, uh, and it falls apart. The idea of us being divine by nature, which is what you said. Well, you haven't shown anything falls apart. Well, okay. um, let, let, let's well, try this. Let's try this because the thing, John, that I'm noticing, your position seems to be if you believe it. It's authoritative because you're just saying this is the meaning of the text. Matt's asked you a couple times how you're coming to conclusions you're coming to. In other words, how are you interpreting it to come to that conclusion? So here would be an interesting thing for you to try. Take a passage and try to expound how it proves any of the arguments that you've made. Hmm. Because Matt's tried to show you, you're just saying, well, I'm just reading the text. Yes, you're reading into the text, and I, and I agree with that. Matt already proved that you're reading into the text because no. the texts that don't say exactly what you say they say. You even said at one point that you're you're assuming the point that you that that's what the text is saying. So you got to deal with what the text actually says, because otherwise, I, I think Matt's really proving the point that you are guilty of what you accuse Calvinists. You've made a lot of claims. You just assume the scripture supports it. And you throw out scripture without actually digging into what it actually means. And you're reading into the scripture stuff. So well, I, obviously, like, obviously, Andrew, you haven't listened to anything. I mean, we spent most of this program talking about Acts 17 and Paul's argument there. Yeah, you, no, but, but the whole point is you can't explain. You have yet to exegete that passage. You just say, well, this is what it says. You assume your conclusion. That's called confirmation bias. So um, try, try. It'd be, I think this would be entertaining because um, I don't think you can do it. I'm just saying. I'd like to see you exegete a, that passage and, and show how you come to the conclusion you come to. Look, I can't, I can't do it any more clearly than I did. You know, I, and it's clear to me that you're just not seeing the argument uh, that's fine. That's, That's true. Fine. We're not seeing it. But, but, don't, but don't accuse me of not exegeting the passage. Well, no, there's a reason we don't see it. Because it's that? not there. Because it's it relies on several fallacies. That and you what are those? Out. You, 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 you have a fallacy of equivocation. You take the word son of sons and, and children, and you take it in the physical realm. Do, do you realize that Jesus was actually not an offspring of God the Father? You don't think uh, human beings are, are made in his image? Okay. I asked a very direct question. Uh, they're made... So, okay, what does it mean that humans are made in the image of God? Well, hold on. I mean, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? So, this is amazing. So you just jump from point to point. I ask you a direct question. Okay. Right. Another. I'm, not, I'm another. not trying to ignore. No, I'm not trying to ignore your questions. I'm not trying to ignore your questions. I'm just, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out where you're going. So sorry. I'll, go ahead. What was your first question again? Well, we'll, we'll stick with the last one that you, you said. Okay. Do I not believe that Jesus, that, that uh, we're made in the image of God? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? It's a clarifying question. Yeah. I, I believe uh, we're, we're human beings are like little God idols that 
are, you know, that we image God in that way. I, I believe that's the word that is used like in, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures as far as this image has, you know, we, you know, it's, it's like an imager. So we, we image God, you know, so that, I mean, that's how I understand it. Okay. So we, we have certain attributes, but not all of his attributes, right? Like of course. God is emotional. We're emotional. Right. I agree. We, we, you know, some attributes, you know, God can't share, you know, we're not, we can't be omnipotent, you know, omniscient, but we can know, we can have some power. Okay. So, So now that we know what the image of God means, then it doesn't mean what you were assuming and arguing for that the, because we have children, therefore we're part God. No, the argument, what I said, Andrew, and what Paul argues is that we share, we, in some way, we share the divine nature. And I said from the start, I don't know exactly what that means, but in some sense, we share the divine nature. That's all I said, because we're related like a father to his children. Okay. That's the argument. So right there. That's not the argument Paul's making. That's the argument you assume. Matt went through that. Actually, so, so Matt actually broke down the text. But your, your argument is based on a, a fallacy of equivocation on a child-to-parent relationship used in a physical sense compared to a title son. No. Ask, I'm going to ask this again because I'm really curious to the answer. Is Jesus Christ the physical offspring of God the Father? No, not the physical offspring of God the Father. Okay, so then to argue for the physical relationship between a physical father and physical child, and then make that your argument for a relationship you admit is not a physical one, is a fallacy of equivocation. You're using it two different ways, but using the same terminology. Therefore, your argument can't be right because it's invalid. Now, what I just did was go through and show why your argument is flawed. What I'm asking you to do is not assume the text. Don't just sit there and say, I'm agreeing with Paul. You're not agreeing with Paul because you're not making the argument Paul makes. Matt went through this with you and, and explained that. Matt went through and showed you exactly what this is quoting. Are you, are you even aware that it's a, it's a, a reference to, to other people, what others have said? Like Matt yeah. said? You're talking about the poets that he's quoting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eratus. Yes, but the, the fact is he quotes them, but then he affirms it. See, you're ignoring, you're totally ignoring his... Okay. Uh, why, does he, why does he quote them? He, Matt, Matt even gave you this, so we'll see if you were paying attention to him. Why, why, does, the, why does Paul quote them? He sa- well, he says, for even your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And he says, truly, uh, he says, they're, uh, let's see. Anyways, uh, yeah, see, first, first, you just are not dealing, I don't think you're dealing with 29. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, what is he meaning by that then? Paul says this, you know, he just quoted the poets who said, we are all, you know, we are also his offspring. And he says, uh, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, let's just stop right there. What does Paul mean, Andrew? Okay, so he says, uh, being then God's offspring. 
Now, in a sense, are we God's offspring? Well, we're made in the image of God, okay? But is he taking something that they know and then something that they quote and then springboarding off of that into something different? Yes or no? Well, I'm asking you the question, that, uh, Andrea, here. I okay. said, then I'll I answer. quoted a verse. It the says, answer is since, yes. since, since we are the offspring of God. No, the answer, what the question is, what does Paul mean? Since we are the offspring of God, what does Paul mean by that phrase? Sure. He's taking the, this phrase that they're familiar with, and he's springboarding off of that and using it in a different way to then get into a topic that he wants to talk about. It, it's basically my spiritual transition game in practice. Uh, he's taking something and then springboarding it into what he says. We ought not think that the divine being is like gold and silver or stone, an image formed in art, in imagination, or of man. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is he when he says this? He's in Mars Hill, I think. That's right. What What is it that he started discussing? What is it he's looking at on Mars Hill? What do they have all around? Yeah, all the idols. Okay, so is he referencing this as God being a spirit, we being a spirit versus dead idols that are made of gold, silver, and stone? Well, you know, he's he's talking about the real God. He, he noticed there was an uh, idol without an unknown to the unknown God. Well, to him, I'm going to proclaim him because you guys don't know him. I'm going to proclaim him. I'm going to proclaim him to you. So, okay, so you didn't he, answer, the, you didn't answer the question. Let's ask it again. Okay. Answer the question. Is he doing a comparison between the spiritual and the physical? And these these idols they have, which are just made of gold, silver, and, and stone, versus God and us who are spiritual beings as well as physical. Yes, he's that, that's the see the very good. Using, so you got you now have your answer. He's using the difference between idols that are made of wood and stone compared to human beings who are, you know, carry the divine nature. No, not that they carry the divine nature. Okay. So how do, how do, how do, how are we supposed to know God has the divine nature then? If, if we're looking at his children, wait, 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 how, wait. how, how is that going to give us information about the divine nature? Oh, very simple. Uh, because he created everything out of nothing. That's how we can know he's the divine nature. We don't look at us to prove that God is divine. Well, that's one, that would be one interpretation of this text, but I'm, I'm not. Well, so you actually already agreed with my interpretation. The... Now you're trying to backpedal because you want to uh, hold to your, your belief. No, I can but, agree with something you say and that and it doesn't change what I believe. So the point is, he's not saying anything about us being divine. Is he? He's saying that we ought not think that the divine being, so it's the divine being, is not like gold. And so the comparison. They're missing it. All, you see, no one can see God, Andrew. All we can see are the children. Now, since Paul no. says, since Paul argues that we are all his offspring, therefore, okay. because we're his offspring, we should know that. The divine nature is not like that. It's all a comparison of the children, and then we we infer from the children to the father. 
Okay, that's all assumed from the text. See, I broke this down and walked through it, and you ended up having to agree that this is what the text is saying. But you don't see anything in here that says we are divine. You see nothing in here that says that's all you reading into it. That's eisegesis. That's you putting a meaning in the text. No, it's you ignoring what Paul is really saying. That's okay. So, so the fact that you see this, which is not there, you can't show how it is there. Okay. I can't force you to see it. That's right, because it's not there. No, it's there. So, so, and this is this is the 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 thing. You say you're still learning in in theology, and yet I got to tell you. I was, I, I've yet to find a heresy you don't agree it with as in your discussion with Matt. I mean, you hit, you hit Jehovah Witnesses with the annihilationism, you hit Mormonism in there. You, you, and, and what kind of fallacy do we call this, Andrew? Well, no, this is what you actually did. You actually promoted the same teachings. And it's not, it's not that. No, I it, didn't promote that I'm saying that your positions are wrong because they are associated with that. I'm saying it just seems like there's not a heresy you don't seem to enjoy. The, well, the fact I don't that, know what you mean by heresy, but okay. There's ortho, go to CARM, and if you go to CARM, there is a doctrine grid, and it will give you the core doctrines. That if you disagree with those, that's called heresy. Then you'll know. Um, that'd be the easiest way. Mm-hmm. But, but the point here's the point that I want to point to you. What well, do I believe because, in heresy or believe what God teaches? You believe in heresy because you don't believe in what God teaches. When you when you have to read into God's word and you twist God's word and give it a new meaning, you no longer have God's word. You have man's word. By the way, that's Calvin. I know you love Calvin, so I figured I'd give you a quote from him. Um, <laughs> so that's what you've done because there's nothing yeah. in this text that says what you claim it says. That's the thing. What this text says is exactly what Matt said and what I said. Not what you read into the text. And you want to say, well, we don't see it. Somehow now you're almost arguing as Gnosticism that you have an enlightened knowledge that we just can't. No, no I'm just, look, I, I can only say so much. I'll leave it to others to judge whether, you know, who's right on this or not. Yeah, okay. I think everyone, I think you made it, you made it clear enough for, for folks to see. You, you're uh, trying to argue that a physical relationship is a direct relation to a uh, to a relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Uh, you're saying that we need no. human beings to know that God's divine. Um, there's nothing in this text that says we need human beings to to know that God's divine. You read that into the text. That's not in the text. Uh, it is in the text. That's why he points out yeah. the offspring. We are his offspring. That's we are his children. Yeah, and so and we like those titles. And he says, therefore, since we are the children, his whole argument rests on the fact that we are God's children, and and because we're his children, God is going to be like us, not like the wood and the stone. If you don't see it, that's fine. We can go to something else. I don't want to hear charges of I'm a heretic because I'm pointing out the obvious. In a no, you you're, aren't pointing out the obvious. You're a heretic because you're teaching things that are against what Scripture teaches. And no, I'm just teaching against Calvin. You know, I just don't agree with you, Andrew. I have a different interpretation. That's all. Oh, I know. I, I, I agree. You, you have a very different interpretation. The, the difference is, is I, can, I can explain the rules of interpretation I'm following. You mm-hmm. can't. I mean, you explain to Matt and I, please, explain to Matt and I how you're getting the arguments that you're making, because that's what you haven't done. 
Matt walked through and I walked through where we're getting it from the text. You just read into it and then say, well, that's what it is. If you can't see it, it's not that, you know, it's your fault. So you need to explain he's doing this. He's springboarding from one topic to another, just like he did when he says he started with the unknown God, the idol of the unknown God. And he jumps into this discussion. So he, the, the whole goal of this is he's talking about the issue of their idols. Is that true or false? Yes, that's what. Okay, that's so the, what, okay hold on. So the central argument that he's making is about idols versus the true God, correct? No, he uses, he, his goal is to preach the gospel to these guys. So he takes the opportunity of this situation with the idols that he was noticing to preach the gospel to them. And in that course of, of the preaching the gospel, he, he says certain statements and he uses certain arguments. And this one particular argument has to do with the fact that a father is like their is you know, children are like their fathers. That's, you know, he's, he's counting on that fact that we know children are like their parents. He, he uses that fact to make his argument, you know, since we are God's children, then we know we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like wood and stone. Okay, so because, you're, look, we're his children. Listen, let, let's walk through this. You're assuming that. Now let's see if the text actually says what you say. Okay. So he starts by talking about the idols, correct? Yeah. Okay. He ends with talking about the idols, correct? Uh, well, he ends it, you know, In talking about 29. the times of ignorance. In verse 29, he's, yeah. he's talking uh-huh. about the idols. Right. Okay, so the issue is their idolatry, correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is what I said earlier, and you said I was wrong. So the yeah, issue no. is their idolatry, and he's trying to share the gospel, and the, the essential thing that he has to get through with them is their idolatry. Right. He's got to get to explaining that their idolatry, them them creating a carved image, no different than, he, than God did in the Old Testament, where he talks about these idols that are made with hands— and have eyes that can't see and ears that can't hear. It's the same argument being made here with the contra- contrasting of beings that have a spirit versus something that's made out of a chunk of wood. A chunk of wood doesn't have a spirit. Therefore, it can't be divine. It can't be God because it doesn't have a divine spirit. It can't be divine without the spirit, correct? Well, you know, I don't know exactly how Paul's using it, but look, it's obvious he was walking around and there's all these idols. Imagine statues, whatever, all this stuff. These are artworks walking around. And Paul is like, uh, now he's telling him, look, uh, you guys, even your own poets have said we are his offspring. And, and look, since we are his children, God we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like, you know, look around you. Look at all this. God isn't like this. We are his children. Look at us. Because you can see us. We're not like these things. You know, God is not like those things. It's He's counting on the similarity of children with their fathers to prove the point. Okay, so he's using, he's, he's clearly using it as a springboard. Okay just like he used the springboard of the the idol to the unknown god. Mm-hmm. Okay. So his emphasis so you're this is the whole point when you do hermeneutics 
You don't emphasize on the minor things and make it the major things. And that's exactly what you're doing. His main argument is the idols. Your main argument is the one word offspring. So you're taking something that's a minor point, reading into it a whole bunch, and then making that the major point. That's not the point of this text. The point of this text is about idolatry. And so as long as you make the minor, and so this is the rule of interpretation that you're breaking, that you are taking the minor and making it the major, and you're taking the major and making it a minor. You don't do that. When you interpret scripture, you focus on the major, and that becomes the the argument that gets made. The other things are supportive of that. So the supporting thing that God is a spirit and, and idols are not is supportive. But there's not anything here where he's saying that we have a divine nature in any way. You're reading that in. It doesn't say uh, we being the offspring having a divine nature. No, that's not what it says. It says being then God's offspring, we ought not think. See, that's a totally different thing now. We ought not think that the divine being is like gold. In other words, the argument being is if we are made in his image with a spirit, that's what you already said means to, to be in the image of God, that we have some of his attributes, one of them being that we are have a spirit and are spiritual, like God is spirit and spiritual. That's what we already established is it means to be made in the image of God. Therefore, we being a spirit should know that God would have a spirit and not be something made of purely physical things without a spirit. Very simple. That's that's the meaning. But why do I say that's the meaning? Because the major thing is on the idol, not what you're reading into it as that we are divine nature. There's nowhere that says we have a divine nature. It says that we're his offspring. I can't fathom the, that you're you're missing Paul's argument and comparing the children to the father. You you do see that, don't you? That well, no, that, I don't, because it, nowhere does it say anything about children and father anywhere in here, does it? It says twice, "We are his offspring." That doesn't say children and father, does it? No, if we're okay. his offspring, so, so you're, that assuming, means, you're assuming a meaning of offspring, aren't you? I'm say, an offspring as a child. Yeah, is that the only meaning of it? I th- I'm, it's pretty clear that's what Paul means here. No, it isn't pretty. See, this is this is a, you just did it. You assume the thing that you want it to say. You assume it, and it, oh, it's pretty clear. Well, that's not really always clear. Well, for Paul's argument to be understandable, that's what we have to assume. Okay, so it it has to assume that. I think to for Paul's argument to work because. What he's doing okay. is... And how about, how about you turn to Mark 9? Hold on. Turn to Mark 9, 29. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the same word used here that you said it's, it's, this is the only meaning. It's the word kind when it says, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. That's the word, same word for offspring. Does that mean divine nature? Does that, that mean? Does that, that mean? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Does that mean a fit and a father and son? That no. Fathers? No, it doesn't. I don't believe so. I no, it wouldn't. So therefore, kind, yeah, we know that from the, con- hold on, from the hold context. On. Hold on, John. Therefore, the fact that this word 
is used elsewhere with a totally different meaning than the way you're using it says that the, that your conclusion is wrong, that this is not the only way that we can see this. Because Mark 9 uses it differently. Mark uses the same word. And he's yeah, but, but context, con- we determine a word's meaning by context. Uh, that's right. And you're reading into it something that it does not saying. There's nothing in here in the context that says that it has to do with physical Father, son, as you used it. There's nothing in here. I asked you, what in here is father, son? Now, look, the fact is, he points out that we are children, and he where says... Does say that, where does it say that? Verse 28, I think, and 29 of Acts 17. Where? Verse 20, at the end of verse 28, you know, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So we're also his kind. We are his offspring. There, no, no, no. no. We, we already showed you that that word can be interpreted kind, not it, offspring. Yeah, it can be. But if you okay. interpret it kind, so, then so, Paul's argument doesn't make any sense. Sure it does. Because, no, it, it makes perfect sense because I'll, I'll ask this again, and I want you to show me exactly where father and son is in the text. You say it's there the, with the word offspring that does not mean what you think it means. That's the whole problem. I and just gave you Mark 9, 29, where the same word is used, and it doesn't mean father-son. It means kind, and it's translated kind. In fact, exactly. it's translated kind very often. Well, it's is it translated kind here? It could be. No, is it here? That's a translation. That's a translator's thing. But I'm going back and, to the Greek. So, but but these translators thought children or offspring. Was no, they didn't. Here, how do you know they thought children and offspring? Children aren't mentioned anywhere here. I'm saying they thought offspring. No, they did. So now you know the mind of translators. John, do you see the problem you're having? No, and Matt, would you let me finish a question, Andrew? I said or make a point. They, I said it was obvious that the translators thought offspring was a better choice than kind in this place. Now, are you going to argue with me about that? Yes, I just did, because you're oh, assuming that. So, so, oh, so, so, so I'm so assuming that because, it's, because they use that word. Yeah, now, and, I'm assuming John, if they would have wanted to use the word kind, they would have. Th- if they thought that was better, they would have used kind. John, John. Yes. You, you got to relax. Now, listen, this word is used as offspring only two times out of the 20 times in the entire New Testament. Two and times is a translated yeah, okay. offspring. These are the only two. Okay. It's most often translated as kind or kinds. So the reality is you have the burden of proof because you're saying this is its meaning. And yet it's more often translated as kinds or family or people, okay, it's so not translated, what? it's not any, hold on, listen, it's not anywhere translated as father-son, as you say it is. So you said this proves it's father-son, and yet there's nothing in the text that says about father and son. You're that his, that argument, his, his argument demands it. And no, it doesn't. Saying, Show me a, tr- point out a translation of Acts 17, 28, and 29, where they use the word kind. I don't need to go to a translation when I'm looking at what the Greek word is. And I'm giving you what the, how the Greek is 
so the Greek word does not relate to father son there. Okay, so if it does, then you got a big problem. What you're doing, what you're arguing from from Mark nine. No, no. So l listen, listen. I've already showed to you the word kind. If you want to translate it kind, that fits in fine. Because the issue is whether it is a spiritual, the immaterial versus the material. That's the issue. That's the issue Paul is arguing. That's the main issue. So saying that we are his offspring in kind has nothing to do with father and son, which your whole argument is based on. Now, there's nothing but other than the word offspring that you assume a reading of it the word offspring doesn't only mean what you're implying. Therefore, this does not teach father-son. You're assuming that. That's the whole thing I'm trying to show you. You're right. assuming that. But you can't answer the question why we shouldn't think that, why we should not think. He says we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver. Now, why should we think that if we're looking at a person? Um, well, we shouldn't think that a block of wood, a piece of gold, silver, or stone have a spiritual nature. There's nothing spirit about them. Where, does it, say this, where, where does it say that about the spirit, a spiritual nature? Well, I okay, that's a fair question. So it says that they're not divine. That's the argument, is it not? That that these things are not divine? These idols are not divine? Is that not the argument he's making? No, the argument is, we are his children. Since we are his children... Children aren't mentioned anywhere in here. Okay. Read so, that in. Okay. He's, he's saying... I, all, all I'm hey, look, I'm doing... I'm, I'm telling right, you. That's fine, saying, that's fine. We listen, are his offspring. John, he's saying hold on, offspring. Hold on, John. John, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, I, 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 as, uh, you know, as someone who at least is a Pelagian... Uh, you may be in the sinless perfectionist camp, which if that is the case, then you keep sinning by getting angry. So you got to stop that. I'm not angry at all. Because <laughs> you, you'd be losing your salvation and you can't get that back. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not one of those. Um, here's the thing. You're assuming the meaning of offspring, ignoring what the word means everywhere else in Scripture and how it's used now. You, that's not how you interpret. So I've shown you that the one you violated one principle of interpreting the minor as the major, major as the minor. You're you're violating another. That was your, that was your opinion. Hold, hold, no, I already established it with you that this is what the main thing was talking about. No. Okay, so the main the, his main argument is not about idols. He, he's shown his main argument is that God is not like an idol, and we can tell that by looking at his children. No, 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 no. You, you add that extra part on because you know you're you're wrong. The, there's nothing in here about children, and the word doesn't mean children. Offspring so, means children. No, it doesn't. That's what the poet was talking about. That's not what this word means. Was what was the poet talking about, Andrew? Well, I'm not Matt. You might know better than I because I'm not familiar with the 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 poem that it came from. The Matt, do you know? It's, it's Eratus, but I don't know the context of the whole thing. He was just yeah. quoting this in order to witness to the pagans, and he used pagan theology to try and get a uh, a door opened in order to talk about paganism because they had the same view that John here has. 
Yeah. A lot of them did. So, I mean, but the, the fact is, you're saying offspring means children. I'll challenge you to go to math, Mark 9, 29 again and tell me. So, and they said to them, this offspring cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. It doesn't mean offspring in Mark. We're not it's the same it. word. You're saying the word means children. Um, words have, uh, you know, semantic okay. ranges. What? There's nothing in here that says, that forces it to be about children. Uh, why don't you pull up BDAG and see what it says about that word in Acts 17. Uh, it has a lot of different things, one of which is kind. No, it won't say. Family, won't, relative, no. nation, people's class, kind. That's no, BDAG. No, BDAG will put, like, it'll, if there is a I reference. Gave, I just gave you BDAG. No, it'll it should list a, a reference to Acts seventeen twenty eight and show what word is used there. Like it it it'll 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 explain the different meanings that it can use, and then it'll group those verse those those texts under each. You know how it works, right? So, what is it saying about uh, what form of the word should be used in Acts seventeen? Uh, that they have it as aster uh I can't even say the word. Uh, um, ancestral stock, descendant, high priestly descendant, is the main subject. Ancestral stock or descendant. So, so that that's that's not saying there has to be children. High priestly descent. Don't don't forget to throw that in there. That's your meaning, is it not? Descendant. It, so that only has one one argument, right? Descendant can only be one thing. I'm just look. The the translators use offspring, not kind, and it's to it's to show that. Okay, so I mean, descent. So has, I think. Okay, oh, hold on. So, all is depending on the relationship between children right, and, and God. No. So for his argument. Hold it. Are we descendant from God? Did God create us? Yes. Then we're descendant from God? Well, in this And we're sense, not his children. Look, I You look, Paul is the one making this argument. Yes, Paul's not making your argument. That's the whole point. You're reading into it. So Well, I, I think if someone that's not stuck on against seeing it, Andrew, might, you know, be a little uh, you know, I might understand okay, where so I'm what, from. You, what you have, John, and we're gonna we'll go on and see if anyone else has questions, uh, you know, after. But you have the problem of having confirmation bias. You're starting with a conclusion, and you only accept the information that you see that it means. I've shown you how this word means different things. Even when you want to go to BDAG and say descendant, and you see that we are descendant from God, it doesn't mean we're His children, John. John 1, 12 makes it clear that not everyone's a child of God. So we're not all children of God. So him speaking about children, if you, to use your argument, children of God in your argument, to be referring here would violate what John 1, 12 says. 
because that would say that these people are not children of God, not believing since they don't believe in that. That would just be to misunderstand the context of John and understand he's, you know, he's talking so every, about everything with you is that everyone, everything is to misunderstand. And no, yet, no, everything with me is to understand the context where we're at. And no, you're not. But not, you're not. To, not to look at this context here. But you're not. You can't jump over to John and say, well, he, it means this over here. So it can't mean this over here. Well, no, this that, is that's, well, okay. that's a poor hermeneutic. No, that's actually the proper harmony no, that you no, build theology based on what all of Scripture says. So the phrase children of God, the way you're using it, is used there and says that not everyone is a child of God. That's a, a clear teaching. So there's nothing here that says child of God. And so what you end up with, and, and this is the thing, and, and this is where, I, you know, John, my heart breaks for you because you are so blinded um, <laughs> with your heresy. I I. It, it breaks. I, I just hate the fact that you continue to believe this stuff and get so hard set on it with so many people that have tried to teach you. And you say you're still learning, but you turn a deaf ear to the truth. And it's concerning. You're oh, look, look, if you, you, it. Andrew, if you could bring an argument or a text that's properly presented and backed up. In There's the none context, that you'll accept, John. I, I might accept. There's well, none that you'll accept. Here's here's yeah. a clear example of it. Here's a clear example of it. The the contrast that Paul's making is not that we are somehow divine or that we're children of God just from one word that you f you're focusing on one word and making that everything. You're ignoring all of the context for that word, which is all about idols. That's yeah. the the main thing. Okay, so. That, it is about idols, but it it's is, about but the fact making, that, you know, Paul was seeing all these idols they constructed, and he's trying to tell them, look, God's not like that. Even your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Not like what? So, we, so, we're, we're not like we what? are his offspring, like like the wood and, and stone of these idols they, that he's looking at. So yeah. so how, how come, so I agree that that's the main thing, that we are not like wood and... Or God. God is not like these idols. Okay, good. Now, there's nothing in there that ha that teaches that we are his sons. We It says we're his offspring. And that and can Paul, have multiple meanings. But in here... What why does... Listen, but listen what, hold on, John. If that was... A, argument Paul was making, why doesn't he use the Greek word that means what you're arguing? Why does he use a Greek word that more often means something that's similar? That's the meaning maybe, of the word, maybe, to have maybe, similarity. Maybe it had something to do with the, the poet he quoted, you know, and, and, and taking off it, you know, what he said or something. Oh, so maybe the poet didn't mean what you're saying either. Okay. I could agree with that. Right. No, I'm saying, but you, you can't get away from Andrew, from the fact that by looking at his offspring, that's how we know God has a divine nature and not. But like, the offspring, that one word is not the word that he would use if he was making your argument. That's the point. So, so the no, fact he, is. Because Paul says we are all his offspring. What does he mean by that? Okay, so there you go. We are all, we are all his kind. If, is that what he's yeah, saying? Yeah, we are, we are all we are all descendants. That's what you wanted to look at BDAG, and that's how it's used in BDAG. Yeah. We are all we are all created from him. We are all in that sense descendant. Now, no, no, see, no. If, if now if, you're if, saying, hold on, no, hold on, hold on. No, if you're going to separate 
God from us like that, then that's what I'm saying. Then his argument doesn't work. Really? Yes. You mean being made in the image of God, being being if, spiritual, doesn't work with material things? No, I'm saying if 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 we're if if you take away the similarity of the offspring and then arguing from that to God, you you don't you you know you just lose any argument at all in there. That's that that's the, what he's saying. I mean, that's the obvious import of what he's saying. We are his offspring, therefore. We know that God isn't like these things because we are his offspring. And he's, and Paul happens to use the language of divine nature. That's the only reason I brought it up. I, I'm, you know, I'm just telling you what Paul's saying. And, and no, you're not. That's making. the whole point. You're not saying what Paul's saying. You're reading into it based off of English, not the Greek. The, the well, Greek doesn't make the argument you're making. If he did, he would use a different word that actually means offspring, the oh, way you're using it. He doesn't that, use that yeah, word. Yeah. He uses a word that means yeah. that, that has the meaning of kind or, or descendant or to, to be in, in like manner. Okay. okay? So you'd have to be in Paul's head to... To decide something like that. No, we can look at the words he uses. A noun express, and this is right from BDAG, just above, if you look just above what uh, you wanted to to focus on, um, we'll, we'll just do this and see if we could just, here we go, we'll just share the screen so you can see it because I know you, you, you miss stuff. But if I, I'll highlight it right there. A noun expressive of relationships of various degrees and kinds. That's what this word means. This is not a word that is designed for to mean offspring as children the way you're using it. That's the point. If Paul wanted to make your argument, he would not use this word. The use of this word is the proof that you are not correct. Because he's not using the word that makes your argument in the Greek, not in the English. You're stuck on the English because you it makes the argument you wish it said. Paul's not making your argument because he's not using the words that would make your argument. So with that, because we're we only have about 15 minutes left and we want to get to open QA. Sure. Um I'm gonna bring Edison up first because he was in earlier. So Edison, um and right. I'm just going to mute you while Edison uh, asks his question. So, Edison, you're you're in. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. All right, thank you. Uh, it's been very interesting <laughs> as I've listened to the discussion. Um, but I'd like to ask a question that's not related to the debate, if it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, you're in a much cooler environment this time, I see. I'm using a PC. I'm using a personal computer. <laughs> Not anymore uh, on my tablet. But anyway, um, I'd like to ask a question with, relate to, uh, with uh, regards to Catholicism. Um, Catholicism would argue that the scripture is not sufficient. They would argue that there's a need for the traditions. And by traditions, not the letters of the fathers, not the early writings, but rather traditions I don't know what they mean by that, but um, I pointed to them that these traditions, are they the letters of the fathers or not? And they said, no, it's the traditions that the church 
has been carrying throughout um, the existence of uh, the Christendom. And I've quoted to them Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now I asked them if, the, if we have that kind of a text with regards to, the, to traditions. And they said, in response, that the verse never said that scripture alone is the breath of God. So they, they were looking for the word alone in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I'd like to hear uh, what um, Brother Andrew, your comment or Brother Matt's comment with regards to their uh, response. Well, Matt, do you, you have a response to that? Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, when they say that the word alone isn't there, then they're admitting that the scriptures are inspired. And they'd say, yes, okay. Can they show me, uh, Can you sh just ask them to show you where um, tradition is inspired. And they, you know, they'll just say, well, the authority of the church tells you that they have sacred tradition and it's inspired. Say, how do you know that's the case? Show me that in scripture because you've admitted that the scriptures are inspired. So show me from God's authoritative work. Because if they're going to say that tradition's inspired, then they're saying tradition and scripture are equal and both must be considered as authoritative. Since we both admit that scripture is authoritative, just say, show me from the authoritative word. They can't, and they go to they go to tradition. Then you can start asking uh, questions about their tradition. How does yeah. tradition work, and what is sacred tradition? And I have uh, on CARM, I have a whole bunch of questions uh, related to the issue of, of tradition, sacred tradition on CARM. Let's see if I can find it really fast. Uh, sacred tradition. Let's see if I can find it. Um, questions for Catholics on sacred tradition. There we go. And so I went through and I just started asking, you know, what exactly is sacred tradition? How is it declared to be sacred? What, it, what does it mean when the church determines that uh, something is true, sacred tradition? Did the apostles, uh, did they attend uh, for there to be sacred tradition? Or is sacred tradition something invented by the church? And I have a bunch of verses listed. And then I got a bunch of other questions dealing with the uh, transmission to the centuries. How is it transmitted to the centuries? If sacred traditions transmitted through the centuries orally, or is it by record or divine revelation? What is it? Start asking these kind of questions, and you'll find out they don't have any answers. Well, one of the things I'll ask, I'll say, does, does uh, Bishop Bob talk to Bishop Frank in the Vatican? Say, hey, do you hear the one about Mary walking down the road? Oh, no, tell me. Is it sacred tradition? How do they know it's sacred tradition? How do they know? Is it oral? How do they know these things are reliable? How do they know? Well, they say the authority of the church tells them it is. Where'd they get that? From sacred tradition. Well, you know, it's just, there's all kinds of problems here, and I just start asking questions like that. And I have, uh, you know, this link, um, questions for Catholics on sacred tradition. I have uh, 65 questions, 65 issues. Let's see if the, the scriptures are included. Um, yeah, so there's questions. You know, in First Corinthians eleven twelve, or excuse me, two, Second Thessalonians two fifteen, Second Thessalonians three six, various issues of tradition go through the scriptures. There's a lot there, and that's how I recommend that you uh, start, you know, cross examining them on this, and you'll find they don't have answers. <laughs> that's good. Um, I've noticed a circularity of their um, reasoning um, when they said that um, uh, they have to follow. Um, what they believe because the church said so and how do we know that the church is true 
well because exactly we contend right. that that's the only um that this that's the church of that christ founded so we can question that well they say that that's another claim how do you know the church uh jesus founded the roman catholic church which is so you make a claim but how do you know he founded it that's what he founded and they're going to say well because their papacy and their authority for the papacy and things like that that's what they're going to do yeah. right yeah, it's gonna open well, up kind of warm. No, it's it's a it, trust me, it, you can do it. It's it's not a big deal. Um, so Catholic authority. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna do that on my site here. Uh, does it have the authority of Christ? Um, this is one of the things. Here's another article. Does the Roman Catholic Church have the authority of Christ? Uh, this is what the Bible says in Luke five. Uh, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, you know, get up and walk. And uh, in Matthew 10, 1 through 8, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. So you say, okay, so this is the authority that's demonstrated in Scripture, that, that the apostolic authority has uh, is given by Christ. And they're going to say, yeah, that's right, and to the apostolic. Uh, apostles yeah and then down through the priesthood right yes that's right and the magisterium okay good so we know that the authority uh, that jesus gave them the disciples was to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out demons i'll say does your roman catholic church do this and they're gonna say well yeah the roman catholic church does it all the time okay and said so just like it did in the bible right yeah that's right okay so jesus raised the dead on command and he came up and touched the coffin and bears came to halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. A dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Peter raised the, the dead on command. And you go to Acts 9, 40 through 41. Peter healed on command, Acts 9, 34. Peter or Paul healed on command, Acts 14, 8 through 10. Then I'll say, does your Roman Catholic Church do this? Let's just see them. They have the apostolic authority. I want to see them exercise it the same way the disciples did or the apostles did. And uh, they don't. So the Catholic Church claims it has the authority of the apostles. But when, but can the Pope and the bishops do what Jesus and the apostles did? By command, claim certain healings, resurrections, and things that, like that. And no, they can't. So how do we yeah. know they have the authority? <laughs> it's just a claim. <laughs> but exactly, I, it's a claim. Uh, I actually noticed... Um, you know the verse that they were denying in First um, Timothy chapter, I know Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. When you uh -huh. notice verse verse seventeen, um, it says there that the man of God will be fully equipped. In the King James rendering, it says there that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished with all good works. So, the Scripture itself can make a man of God perfect. In verse 15, in the same chapter, the scripture itself can make you wise of the salvation. So I don't really see why they are denying. Or the even the word the word alone in that verse is not necessary for me. <laughs> I'm not sure what your question is about uh, the verses. No, I was just um, saying that um, I don't see how they don't see the sufficiency of the scriptures in Second Timothy chapter 3. When in verse uh, 15, it says there that the scriptures are able to make you wise in the salvation. And in verse 16, right. uh, it is 
you know, all teaching, training, and rebuke is there. And verse 17, it says, it can make you perfect. The word's not perfect uh, in the Greek. It's, it's, uh, it's artios, and it, it means complete. Yeah, I wouldn't say perfect. But I understand the sentiment. When you use the word perfect, it has certain meanings to it that then become a problem. But it's artios, and uh, the word teleos deals with the word perfect. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Well, I was just um, using the rendering of the King James uh, version. Yeah, it's best to stay with the King James when you do apologetics. <laughs> it's uh, well, anyway. Uh, if yeah. you don't mind, brother Matt, I got uh, one last question. Sure. It's uh, it's still with the same Catholicism issue. The, in line with traditions, they would quote. What was that? Yeah, there's a verse in, I think that second, um, first Timothy. Oh, no, 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 second Thessalonians 2 15. Oh, yeah, uh huh. By word or by letter, hold fast to the tradition. It says yep. there, so, um, they were insisting that Paul and the apostles were teaching, but not through the scriptures alone, which is letter, but also verbally. Or um, by, by um, uh, that's where they get the non-written traditions that are only exclusive in the church. How do we comment on that verse? Read the context. What's it about? I'll help you out. It's about the return of Christ. Oh, yes. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, that's what it's about. If you look, go to the first, like the, the first part of the of the chapter. All right. It says, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And then verse 3, let no one deceive you. Okay, the Antichrist has got to come first. Uh, the mystery of lawlessness is still at work, verse 7. Verse 10, and it will be with deception and wickedness. Uh, for this reason, God will send a luling influence, verse 11. Verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brother, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. And he called you through our gospel, verse 15. So, brethren, stand firm and hold to the tradition which we've taught. It's about the return of Christ. And he's just telling them, look, stand firm in what we've told you already, okay? And uh, that, that's what's going on there. Read the context. Yeah. They're written on okay. this on arm and, and go through and read about the tradition verses and things like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that one out then. Yeah. yeah. Been, uh, very helpful to me personally uh, throughout the years. I've looked to it, I think, way back 2013 or 12, um, and it's been very helpful to me personally. Thank you. Um, well, there's a lot there. I'm glad it's been there to, to help, and for now, it's still there. But, uh, you know, praise God. So. Yeah, yeah, not, think, uh, it may not last too much longer in this country. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm expecting a time when they're going to tell you you have to take that down. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Edison, I I, uh, I look forward to actually meeting you in person. I hope in this this year. I sent you that that link. So, yeah, on Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if you know our pastor, brother Mel Caparis, brother uh, Andrew. He's with Living Word Cebu. Okay, no, I don't I don't know that I know him. I may have met him once, but I don't know. Um, what's uh, what's, what's the name again? Uh, brother uh, Mel Caparis. Milk. I'll, I'll try to remember the names. Uh, I'll, I'll ask. Uh, 
I'll ask the, the, the host and see if uh, if if I. Uh, he's with um, Living Word Cebu. Yeah. Living Word Christian Church. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I know Living Waters. Uh, Living Waters, I think Asia is is involved with uh, putting this together. Um. So. But uh, so with that, uh, I guess Matt, we didn't get to talk a whole lot about new articles or anything going up on Carm. But you have you have anything on Carm that? Uh, no. <laughs> all right so so folks i will stay you know just keep praying for matt and his wife uh his wife still still recovering from um you know surgery that was a long time ago and so you still be praying for them uh it is the end of the year this is actually a time where most at least american um ministries like carm and striving fraternity make much of their their finances so if they're you know people who are looking to give to uh for the end of year uh tax deduction i i don't i know too many folks that donate to striving for hearing just for the tax deduction but uh but if folks want to donate there's two ways you can donate if you go to carm just go to carm.org and there is a donut donate button uh there on the right side I think if I remember correctly, it's a big red button. Let's take a look. See if I'm. No, it's, it says donates blue. Blue. Ah. Okay. Oh, it's, it's green. Heretic. It's green. Oh, it's green. Well, mine says it's light blue. Yeah. It's, so it's and it's not on the. It's on the. It's right in the middle on the front. It says donate to CARM. So that's a good place to go. Also, you can go to strivingforeternity.org/slash/donate. Here's the thing, folks. Both uh, Matt and I do this full time. We rely on monthly donations. They count a lot more than just a one-time donation. Uh, CARM has five full-time employees. Um, that takes more than just a one-time donation. So if there's ways you can, if you find this show beneficial, one way you can help us is by donating monthly. Another way you can help would be by sharing this. Where if you're watching the YouTube video, or if you're watching it on po- or listening to it, I should say on podcast. If you're listening to it on the podcast, and if you're not, go to whatever podcast app you have and just look for Apologetics Live. It'll come up. But on podcast, you can share that as well. Um, that's a great way of just letting us know that there's others who are uh, interested and in, and and helping to get more people uh, listening in and, and getting some, some teaching. And that's some ways you can help support us. Obviously, pray. That's important. Uh, we believe in prayer very much. And so we need your prayers. Um, we also try to do things with partnering with other groups. And so, John, I'm going to ask you, because we partner with you each week, um, we do the after show through the council. Is there going to be an after show tonight? Because I know you got to go to work. Unfortunately, I'm at work right now, so I won't be able to host the show tonight. I I tried to see if I can get somebody else to do it, but uh, no one seemed to step. So there may not be one going on tonight. Okay. So we we partner with the guys at the council to to put on the after show. The after show is usually where we get, and this would have been a lively after show with, you know, John and and everyone in the council to, to go back and forth. It would have been fun. Uh, I hope next week, uh, Matt, there's a guy on a, on a, on Facebook who came into one of the groups that you and I manage Christian apologetics and making all kinds of arguments that there's all these 
you know, contradictions in the Bible. I told him I'd answer those contradictions on my rap report podcast. I said, give me your best ones. Give me the things. I mean, I, I don't want you to say I was cherry picking. Give me your, the ones you think are the best ones. And he couldn't quite do that. In fact, he, he kept saying, uh, he, he was giving lots of challenges. We, uh, I asked him to come in, but he told me the link wasn't working. And yet we can see here, uh, the room is filled with people that the link worked for. So I don't, I don't know if he's just a keyboard warrior, but maybe Paul will come in next week and he, he wants to, you know, he can give you his reasons for his disbelief in God. And uh, we could see how valid those are. So hopefully we'll have that next week. Um, but until then, just remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.